So next week, you have a special treat. I will be in Houston um, at a church where I sit on the board um, speaking there for um, something they have going on. And we have our first installment next week of Church History with Craig Boer. Mr. Boer, bringing church history. So he's going to start at the very beginning of the church um, um, 2,000 years ago. And um, once a quarter, he's going to come and continue it. It's going to take us a long time. Um, but how many of you know it's good to be rooted and grounded in your faith, understanding what the Word says, understanding what God has done through history and who we are. And um, so we get to start that process next week with Mr. Boer. Um, we're in the story today, so we're continuing the story. Uh, so we're in Genesis chapter 1. Um, as you're turning there, which will take a long time, um, as you're turning there, let me just say, um, especially to the millennials in the crowd, where are my millennial friends? Listen, I have read the blog posts about Crocs and how much you hate them um, and have a hard time respecting people that wear Crocs. This may not be true of you, um, but I've read the blogs about like millennials, Crocs are like, how many of you agree? Is that true? Crocs are like out, yeah. Um, so listen, yeah. Some Gen Xers are like, yeah, no, I'm there too. So um, they're horrible. So listen, I've, I've heard the cries of my people and I meant to, I meant to pack real Sunday shoes and I did not. So if you can just hang with me this Sunday and just keep respecting me a little. Um, we'll make it through. <laughs> and they're even, they're not, they're even like really bad crocs. Like, I, there's some dog, like I see some dog teeth impressions from when Buckley was a baby. Yeah, sorry. I meant to do right by you and I, I have failed. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I feel the grace. feel the grace. I won't let you down again, but I feel the grace. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Starting in verse 26, it says this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds in the sky and to all the creatures that move along the ground. Everything that has breath of life in it I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and this was the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then he blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, um, we're going to take a piece of this and do some work in it. Um, we're going to take the entire creation sequence where God creates um, everything, and we're going to do some work in that, but we need a few weeks. We're going to like three weeks. 
And so that's going to happen in January, right? So we're going to take Sabbath today. We're going to talk through Sabbath, which starts here. And then we're going to talk through work because God made us for work. Work didn't come because of the fall. It just got harder because of the fall. We were made for work. And so we're going to deal with work in November and then come to the full creation account in January. So we can take some time with it. Because um, obviously, living in our culture, what do you do with this? Um, the creation account in Genesis, chapters 1 and chapter 2, um, as a Christian, you need to think deeply about um, how you reconcile this with what you're being told every day. How many of you have felt that pressure to say what? Okay, three of us. So three of us are going to be loving January. We're going to work through some of that. But I want to take some time to do it thoughtfully. And um, how many of you know the Word of God stands forever? Every generation has new things, new reasons why God can't be, uh, right? Why this must be a joke. The Word of God. It's not like this is new in modernity. This has been happening forever. Um, Nietzsche, and thus spoke Zarastra, declares God is dead. Well, Nietzsche's been dead for like 150 years. And guess what's still here? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Every generation has these these things they have to reconcile, like what does the Word of God say and what does that look like in terms of what our culture is telling us and then how do we operate in culture. And so I want to take some time with that um, so we've got time to do it properly. So today, out of the creation text, we're going to deal with Sabbath. Sabbath. God worked for six days. He created. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he didn't just rest and say, that was cool. This one-time thing he said, and this will be a day set aside for rest. Like, I want to make this day holy, make it for rest. And so he creates man. And the first thing he does after he tells man all the work he needs to do, what does he invite him into? Rest. He creates man. He says, here's some of the work I've created you for. And then before he allows him to go do the work, what does he make him do? He makes him rest. So I'm going to talk about Sabbath as resistance. <laughs> we are the counterculture, right? We, in our culture, we are the counterculture. Um, following Jesus' ways is counterculture in our culture. And Sabbath is definitely resistance to our culture of busyness, right? I'm important because I'm busy. Whenever you ask someone, hey, hey, well, you got time? I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Whether we're busy or not, we say it because if you're, you, that's what you should be, right? We've, instead of actually managing our yeses and nos, we just say, I'm really busy. Instead of, you know, no, I choose not to do that. Or you know what? I'm living wisely enough. I have margins in my life. I can say yeses too. Instead, we're just busy. And so Sabbath, this idea of Sabbath and having margin in our life and working from rest and not resting from work, is resistance to our culture. We are resisting the culture around us and saying, no, that is not Jesus' way. Jesus' way looks different. So we see, first of all, number one, what upsets, turns um, the cart upside down, the apple cart. First thing, God teaches us that you work from rest instead of resting from work. How many of you almost feel guilty if you rest when you're not super exhausted. I need to be exhausted first. I need to have proven I have worth. And now I can rest because I'm so exhausted. And so we never really rest. We recuperate. 
Now the flip side is, if you never feel your need for Sabbath, you may not be working hard enough in the other six days. Because you could be on either side of the spectrum, right? If you don't really feel your need for a Sabbath, you might check whether or not you're working hard enough. I'm, just, I'm not even gonna go deeper into that. I'm just gonna leave it there. But the Bible teaches us that we work from a place of rest. We don't just finally fall apart. I've gotta take a day off. We, we, we're rested, we're mindful. We come to our work full and not empty. I don't have to earn the rest. I should come from a place of rest into work. That can be hard for us, can't it? You have to let the Holy Spirit do that work in you, though. Otherwise, what happens is we really do just recuperate, and we never are rested enough that we can just sit still and be still. Even when we're resting, we find things to just fill up the... <laughs> keep our minds really occupied. Nothing wrong if you want to get relaxed by gaming, but how many of you know, like, you can game all day and not feel rested? Yeah. Greg's like, tested it. <laughs> True. Truth. Oh, wait, what's, what, what do you say for truth? That. That. Yes. Thank you. I've been trying to bone up on the, on the, you know, what? Facts, not that, facts. Oh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Come on fam, I'm trying. Okay. <laughs> but how many of you know there's times where you should actually maybe even get to a point where you might feel bored for a minute? Your mind could actually rest from it's activity, and you can actually ponder, hmm, what do I want to do? Revolutionary. Where you actually have a minute um, where you can sit with people and look them in the eye, and not because you've got to talk about something, because you just want to be with them and let's see what comes up. Like, we're rested enough, I can just like, look deeply in my husband's eyes and we can just be like, how you doing? Really, how you doing? We don't have to talk about the budget. We don't have to talk about what to do with kids. We don't have to talk about, how are you? Like for real, how are you? Um, we had parent-teacher conferences this past week. Um, some of you don't know us, so you're not laughing. Some of you are smiling because you know us. Um, so, I can only tell this story because he's still in kids' class. There's going to come a point you get none of the good stories because they're all down here. Um, but um, Dane has his teacher's appointment this week. And I said, hey, Mitch, why don't you take that one? Uh, why don't you do Dane? Um, so his teacher, the parent-teacher conferences are like five to ten minutes. They're real short. She um, had a 45-minute block for Dane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you just don't know. It's first quarter. You don't know what you're coming into. So Mitch did it. Mitch went. And um, 
she wanted Dane to stay in the meeting with him. So this is either going to go really bad or really good. I mean, one or the other. It's going to not be in the middle. Um, anyway, but this teacher loves Dane. Yes! Thank you, God. Um, thank you, God. Um, she loves it, and she gets Dane. She gets how his mind works, and she loves all the things he comes up with and all the theology he wants to talk to her about all the time. And she's so into it. And if you know my youngest one, he's just super intense. He's just really, he's really, really intense. Um, but he's like straight arrow. Like, he wants to do what's right. He wants to do what's right all the time. He has two goals in life right now. Um, his number two goal, some of you know this, his number two goal is to be able to beat up his older brothers before he turns 18 and can go to jail for it. And I asked him, well, then what's your number one goal? And he's like, to tell the whole world about Jesus, of course, mom. Like, this is what we're meant to do. He just, he loves the Lord. He, so he's got this like real rule keeper, kind of black and white with all this intensity. And so when things go wrong, he just can't, he just has a hard time recovering himself. So he's preparing us, you know, he, for this teacher conference. He said, now, she never believes me. And like, he's telling us all the things that could possibly go wrong. He's already thought about in his poor little head. And uh, so Mitch sits down with her. And um, so she's like, Dana, I wanna, she wanted to hear him talk. Thank you for beautiful teachers. Uh, so she wanted to hear how he was doing. And he, he's got this concern that he's not believed. And she looked him in the face and said, Dane, I always, oh my word. <laughs> she said, oh, stop it. She said, Dane, I always believe you. I know you always tell the truth. Oh my word, really. I'm just not well. That's what's happening. <laughs> I mean, like water to his soul. He was like, he's good. This was like the best week he ever had. So when they got home, I said, hey, how'd it go? Oh, how'd it go? And he said, she believes me. <laughs> it was a 45-minute meeting. That's his takeaway. She believes me. So rather than just like passing over like whatever, she took time. She looked him in the eye and said, we're just going to sit here for a minute on this until you're good. Made all the difference for that little guy. Listen, Sabbath, we have a chance to stop and actually look deeply upon the Lord. And we do that, we know we're good. We're good. We have time to be with his people. We're not alone. We're good. We have time to actually sit in the day if we're truly Sabbathing. We've taken that day for Sabbath. We have time to sit with people we love, say we're good. We have time to sit by ourselves and hear the voice of God, the still small voice, right? That centers us, that sets our mind right. We're good. But you need some stillness in your life. You need to be able to take the time to do that and to have that. That's peace. And God gives us this gift of Sabbath 
where at least once a week, we have time to come to that place of peace where there's no busyness. I don't have to go get somewhere. I don't have to go do something. We can just be. We can just be. Now, I know some of you have to work on Sundays. You know, you work second shift. Maybe you're here, but you work second shift. You've got to find a day for Sabbath. If you can't do it Sunday, right? Like, I can't really Sabbath on Sunday. Um, but on Wednesdays, so Sunday evenings, you try to keep clear. So you've got the whole family. And then Wednesdays during the day, I Sabbath. So I got like a complete day. Right? I put two together. So some of you may have odd schedules where Sunday can't work for you. Find a way to put it together where you can be at peace, you can be at rest. So you can work from a place of rest and not rest from work. You can create a time of mindfulness. You know, Jesus says he's Lord of the Sabbath. Luke 6, we don't have time to go there today, but in Luke 6, he talks about people are always mad at him about the Sabbath because they're eating grain or he's healing somebody, which was work, evidently. Um, so they're constantly mad. Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? Right? It became about rule keeping. And so in Luke 6, he declares, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And he says, don't you understand? Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? You're not here to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created to serve you. Right? And then it used to be easier in culture because there were blue laws. Nothing was open on Sunday. So it was kind of easy to do a bunch of nothing. Nothing was open. Right? As a culture, there was this recognition of needing to rest. We don't have that anymore. And so we have to almost like create a resistance to this busyness. Now even sports happen on Sunday. You know, all these encroachments, which means you've got to manage your no's and your yeses if you're going to have a Sabbath. Sabbath realigns us to God. If you look in Exodus 28 through 11, it says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days, and what keeps it holy? The rest. The rest from work is what keeps it holy, right? The beginning of, beginning Sabbath with honoring God, and then the rest you come into in his presence, the rest you enter into for the day. That's what keeps it holy. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day, seventh day is Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And so there's this thinking through about not only are you to rest, but think about the people you affect by your busyness. You need to allow them to rest as well. Your servants, your handmaidens, foreigners, those among you who may not even be celebrating Sabbath, are you requiring work of them? Um, Christians eating out on Sunday. You know, we have traditionally eaten out because I don't want to cook on Sunday. But it is something I've often thought about, like, you know, I don't know that I want to create work for other people on Sunday. I'm going to be mindful about not just me not working, but am I doing things or requiring things of others that require work of them? Just something to think about, right, for the Sabbath day. But the Sabbath day realigns us, number one, with God. 
because we worship God on the Sabbath. If you've got to have a different Sabbath day than Sunday, there's ways you can work worship into that too. I think even if um, you come here for worship on Sunday, if then you've got to go to work second shift, you know, the um, half day you take somewhere else, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, and I'd encourage you to work worship into that. Because there's something about resting once you're right with God. Like, something about being in his presence allows the real rest to take place, you know? So on Wednesdays, I start with worship. And that allows me then to get in that place where I can rest. Because God's presence allows for that, right? Um, so it aligns us with God. The Sabbath also aligns us to each other. Right now that we're right with God, we can be right with everybody else. When you're in God's presence, you find you don't want to have issues with people. How many of you ever come to church and you had no plans on dealing with it, but there was some unforgiveness that God dealt with? <laughs> it wasn't even really on your mind and God brought something up and you're like, oh yeah, I probably should deal with that, right? So it allows us to have a connection to other people as we Sabbath because we are aligned with God. It again reminds us we're not alone, right? Especially if we can worship together on Sunday morning together, if that's your Sabbath. Gives us time to be mindful with those we love. It also realigns us to our work. Tim Keller says this, to practice Sabbath is a disciplined and faithful way to remember that you are not the one who keeps the world running. You are not the one that keeps the world running. Who provides for your family? Not even the one who keeps your work projects moving forward. He gave us breath in our lungs. The work we produce, we produce because of his strength, right? Our jobs are a resource. They are not our source. He is our source. He is the savior of the world. I am not. How many of you have ever been in situations where just out of your desire to want to love people, like Jesus loved people, you got into um, situations where people began to expect way too much of you? Like, they weren't managing their lives well, so they, their lives went out of control. And they were like, help! And you're like, oh, I'll carry it all. All the, that mess you just made, let me just carry that for you. How many of you have been there? <laughs> and the mess never got better, because the mess wasn't based on your decisions, they were based on their decisions, they keep making. And so you keep carrying <laughs> bigger messes. And when you finally say, you've broken my back, I gotta put down your mess, now you're the bad guy, and you get cut off, and all that you did doesn't even matter because you won't keep carrying the mess. How have you been there? You've been in that situation. <laughs> Listen, when we Sabbath and we take time with God, we're mindful of who he is, we take time to be still and to rest in him, guess what? We begin to realize we are not the savior of the world. Like if the father says, hey, help with the situation, I can help, but I am not their savior. And just because they've asked me to doesn't mean it's a yes. Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. He only said what he heard the father saying. He came into a broken world. There was a lot of brokenness left when he left and ascended to the father. And he was the savior of the world, right? It reminds me, I'm not the savior of the world. So if I am living out of balance, there's a heart issue there I have to correct, right? What am I getting from being overstressed and overworked? If that's where I'm getting my significance, 
if that's where I'm getting my worth, then I need to realign that. I need to get that from who I am in Christ because the other one's going to kill me and probably make all my relationships toxic at some point. How are we doing? Got really quiet for a second. Okay, <laughs> right? Why am, I, why am I living out of balance? Is it because I'm too afraid to be still? What's going to come up if I actually have time to be still and things can rise to the surface? Is my busyness really fear? Well, then I need to work with Jesus. If there's some things I'm afraid of what's going to come up, I've got time to be still. Maybe it's time to deal with those things. He's gentle. He's good. You can trust him. Right? If you stop and think, why am I living out of balance? Why can't I rest? Why can't I create a margin? Why can't I Sabbath? Then I think that question creates some really good places for us to do work with Jesus. Right? Are you with me? Three of you are like, I'm still with you. <laughs> Michael Hyatt says, margins, right, having that space in our life, is the space between our load and our limit. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It's something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. And so in his book, he's talking about having permanent margins in your life. But Sabbath really creates a really great margin for us. And it's right, there's a rhythm of weekly coming back to it. So I didn't just rest because I went on vacation once a year. Weekly, I'm coming back this Sabbath where I can breathe, where I can rest, where I can get full again, right? This is countercultural. We do not do this in our culture. And the fourth thing it'll realign us with, it realigns with our internal life. So it realigns us with God, Sabbath does, realigns us with each other. It realigns us with work. We begin to assess our work. Why am I so busy? Why do I feel the need to work right now and not have a day? It realigns us that way. And it realigns us to our inner life. Judith Sholovitz, who writes beautifully on the Sabbath, she says this, when the Sabbath was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivity and family gatherings and worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the internal inner murmur of self-reproach. I love that. When we're busy, it's easy for like our inner voice to get really abusive. How many of you have found that? You're never doing enough, you're never finishing, right? Not good enough, the work, what we should be producing, it's very easy to have this inner voice constantly rebuking us. And we take time for Sabbath. It stills that voice. Sabbath is the work I'm doing today. How many of you know you have to work to make Sabbath? This is the work I'm doing today. And the work I have to produce today is stillness, is rest, is joy with people, is worshiping God, right? The work I have today to do is to be full. And something about that really stills that inner murmur, right, of self-reproach and puts it in check and exposes lies sometimes that we're living out of, things that aren't true that we have to achieve and do. So here's what I encourage you to do. We're going to come back to the Lord and worship. 
I know some of you maybe have come with needs. You maybe need healing in your body or there's needs you want prayer for and you can definitely get prayer for that. For some of you, this is stirring up stuff for you. Um, this idea of Sabbath and actually resting and Sabbathing. Some things that we got stirring up for you. I want to encourage you as we worship um, to come and get prayer and actually begin to let God hear God's voice and what he's speaking. How many of you know God's always speaking? We're just rarely still enough to hear what he's saying. See what God is speaking to those things. But, um, so that's one way to respond is, is to get prayer to in worship. But I want to encourage everyone in the room to do this, um, to actually write down this week, what is your Sabbath? Is it Sunday? It's great when it can be because that aligns with worship. Is it Sunday? And then what does Sabbath look like for you? What happens in your Sabbath? How much work creeps in there? Is there anything on that list of things that makes you anxious? Or creates anxiety? Might be time to get that off your list, if you can. Sometimes the things create anxiety is something you're working through and you gotta stick with it, but think through those things. Five main obstacles to setting aside Sabbath or margins in our lives. Fear of missing an opportunity. Fear of disappointing others. Fear of being left out. Fear of being judged. Fear of missing an opportunity. Fear of disappointing others. Fear of being left out. And fear of being judged. Are there some of those issues that create difficulty for you in making Sabbath? People aren't going to understand your nose. That's okay. They'll get over it. Really, they'll get over it. Fear of missing an opportunity. That's just a shiny object that the enemy would have you run after. <laughs> How many of you know? God has something good for us in Sabbath. He'll create all kinds of shiny objects for you to run after. Assess it. Fear of disappointing others and fear of being left out. If we Sabbath properly, we'll actually be more connected to others and not less connected. We'll actually, during our work days and our Sabbath days, experience more of life, not less of life being left out. I just want to encourage you, if any of those fears keep you from Sabbathing properly, would you deal with that today? Would you offer that to the Lord? And then hear his voice and how to align that. Worship team, would you come up? Prayer team, would you come up? We'd stand. We're going to take some time now. We leave time at the end of our service to respond to the word and take time to do to worship more so we can enter in. So let's just take some time now. We have time. I was really good. I didn't preach over at all, so we have time to actually worship together. Would you just take this time and whatever cares the world you have, whatever agenda stuff you have to get done today, whatever has to happen, can we just put all that aside and just focus on him? and give him the worship he's deserving of. If you need prayer, there's folks on each side here that can pray with you and folks in back that can pray with you too. They'll be there in just a second. So if you need prayer, get prayer. Any believer in the house can pray with you too. But let's take some time to hear the voice of the Lord. What is he speaking to you about today? Maybe there are things he was speaking to you before he ever came in the building. What is he speaking? And what are you going to do with it? Take some time now as we worship to talk to the Lord, to be in his presence, maybe just to be still 
But let's take some time and focus on him. Amen.
presence is good. We're going to pray together. Would you, when we're done praying, would you take time to encourage people around you? Maybe you're here and you still need prayer. You'd like to pray with you. There's people that can pray with you here, but we also believe every believer in the house has his kingdom without measure. So uh, any believer can pray with you because it's Jesus who does the work. Amen. <laughs> it's not the person praying for you. It's Jesus who does the work. He's always worthy. Good. Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you.